Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. We just thank you for your goodness and your glory does fill the earth and all of heaven and we just thank you for that. We invite you to join with us this morning as we celebrate your presence, as we express our love to you. We have also come to lay our petitions before you. We pray the words of the psalmist who cries out, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry blog and has set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He has put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. For blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud and those who go astray after a lie. And like the psalmist again, we have searched the world in vain for comfort, but now understand that it's through the Holy Spirit that we can pray, whom have I in heaven but you? For there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. For our flesh and our hearts may fail, but God is the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, and you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Because of Christ and his obedience to the cross, we too can pray with confidence that we know that the Lord saves his anointed and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. For some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And Father, we come before you this morning that you would give us a greater measure of your faith. For there may be many here that are in desperate need of healing, of saving, and of rescuing. May their hearts be turned towards you. Hear our prayer this morning. Lift up the fallen, restore the broken, encourage the faint-hearted, encourage the depressed, and strengthen the weak. We ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Advocate, our Savior and Lord. And God's people said, Amen. Take your Bibles. Tender Mark chapter 5, Gospel of Mark, Jesus the Son of Man, we're looking at the later Galilean ministry. Today's title is The Reward of True Faith as found in Mark chapter 5. In last week's account of the man possessed by demons, not only does Jesus deliver the man physically we saw from demon possession, but he also redeemed his soul for eternity, which we see is what all of us need. He took care of this man's immediate need, but also gave him something so much better, and that was salvation. And Jesus has done the same thing for us we learned last week, and that it's through Christ's death and burial and resurrection, we have been delivered from the works and enslavement of Satan, of the devil. We may not have suffered from demon possession, but we all have been delivered by the mercy of God. Amen? And we saw the responses of the men, and we wanted to challenge ourselves. The first response was fear and rejection. Uh, from the populations towards Jesus. They cared more for their dead pigs than they did for the man that was delivered. 
We saw the second reaction, and the proper response was from the man who was delivered. He had gratitude and worship. We saw that that is what you and I need to have, our reaction, our response to the miracles of Christ is gratitude and worship. And the fact then we didn't share our testimony of what Christ has done for us so that everyone may marvel at the works of Christ. As we move on to the rest of chapter 5, Mark now is going to describe two stories that detail Jesus' interaction with a man seeking his help in healing his daughter and a woman of great faith. In the past few weeks, we have seen Jesus' authority and control over the winds and the waves of the storm. We've seen his authority over multiple demons and property. And today we see his authority over long-term sickness and even death. Now just to make a note, last week and this week is dealing with uncleanness. The unclean spirit that possessed the man, the unclean woman due to menstrual illness, and a girl who would be unclean because she had died. What I want to do this morning is we're going to look at several ways in which faith is in action. Father, we come before you and we ask for your grace to now cover us as your Holy Spirit comes and speaks to the heart of all who are here. My words may find different meanings and many different applications as we read your word, but Lord, may it be true and may it be honest of what Scripture has for us. And Lord, I pray that you be with me. Let me speak words that are edifying, that are building up. And Lord, may we be edified as you are glorified throughout this. And may we respond to the Spirit's work in our hearts. Let us yield willingly to His work. We pray this again in Christ's name. So as we look at faith in action, I want to take the passage of Scripture. We've already read the verses. We're not going to reread them. But I want to look at the breakdown, how it happens as Jesus now is coming to the other side. The first thing you're going to see as faith in action, Darius trusts that Jesus can heal his daughter from a life-threatening illness. There's something about faith. There's something about trusting in Christ that makes action move. We see this in verse 21 through 24. We saw that Jesus was asked to lead the Decapolis, so he does. However, the people's fear and rejection of him prevented Jesus from teaching and healing in that population. Very quickly, they just say, Jesus, leave. And so Mark records that Jesus does. And, and then we go on to the next story. But as I was reading the next story, I thought, well, wait a second. That means the purpose of Jesus coming over there for him to teach and to do many miracles, he's prevented from doing that. Their hardened hearts prevent many from receiving healing and the gospel. I'm sure there was more than just that demon-possessed man that needed Jesus that day. Would you agree? There are many that needed to hear the gospel. The only witness they will now have, though, is the man they once feared and isolated due to his condition. What a sad note that hardened hearts, that those who fear and reject Christ, not only keep themselves from the wonderful work of Christ, but many times they leave others without the works of Christ in their lives. Our faith and our lack of faith will shiver throughout our lives and will affect others, ripple through. Mark informs us that this man was one of the rulers of the synagogue, meaning that he was one of the lay people who served in the administration of the synagogue. These rulers were important men, usually wealthy, they were in charge of such tasks as upkeep of the synagogue, scheduling worship, but they did not function as priests. So he was not a religious leader as a Pharisee or such as that. He was not a Levite. They were very, usually very rich 
and connected important men. And interestingly, though, as this man approaches Jesus, he does not use his authority of that region to demand that Jesus come and heal his daughter. But what does Mark show us? That this man actually shows humility and deference to Jesus. In humility, he comes falling at Jesus' feet and implores him earnestly, my little daughter's at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. He trusted in what Christ could do. Very important man. Could have demanded, could have, could have compelled Jesus to come, but yet he doesn't. Most likely he had heard about Jesus and his miraculous works of healing. And he trusts that Jesus is able to heal his ailing daughter who is suffering from some type of life-threatening illness. You know, praise God and thank God that I have never been to that point. I don't know if some of you have. Maybe you have. I pray that we never have to go through that, but I could imagine what was going through this man, the emotions. I could tell you, I can almost imagine if it was, I would move heaven and earth to get what was needed for my children or grandchildren if they needed help. This man, though, had the presence of mind to recognize who Jesus was. Mark doesn't tell us what it was, but he just tells us the severity of the illness is that it was life-threatening. She is near death. Moved by this man's faith and the love of his daughter, Jesus willingly begins to follow the man to his house. I believe this is the first time in Mark, maybe other than Peter's mother, that Jesus actually goes to someone who's calling to him. Usually they all came in droves. We remember that the four men who would bring their friend to Jesus. In this case, the, the young daughter could not be moved for whatever reason. He doesn't send a servant. He doesn't send someone else. He sends himself and prostrates himself. I'm going to give you three thoughts as we go through this. Is that no matter who we are or what we do, you and I need to be humble. We need to humble ourselves and we need to trust in someone greater. And I believe this is what this man did. Now, it doesn't tell us how much he had done prior to this point, but there came to a point in his life when he heard Jesus was there, he knew that someone greater than he was there. He trusted in the ability and the miraculous work. Whether he had seen it, I don't know, Mark doesn't tell us. Whether he had just heard it himself or heard it from someone else, we just don't know. But in this case, he humbled himself. And many times you and I go through life and there's a desperation in our life, a situation that calls for desperate measures. It calls for something above ourselves and where sometimes our pride prevents us to go into con until the very last moment. Maybe this was his last-ditch effort. I don't know. But I do know that he humbled himself and recognized that there was someone greater than himself. And I wonder today, are you going through something in your life today and you just do not realize that Jesus is there, that there's someone greater? You're seeking all types of avenues. Maybe your pride is keeping you from recognizing that someone as greater is there. But Jairus, he trusts that Jesus can heal his daughter from a life-threatening illness, and he humbles himself before Christ. His faith is great in this regard. The second portion of Scripture that we're going to see here is in verses 25 and 34. And we see faith again in action in a little bit different way. And we see that a woman trusts that Jesus can heal her of a long-term illness. And we see as we read that passage of Scripture. 
And what you may not have seen is this woman seems to have no hope. Her situation itself is dire. She has done everything humanly possible. She's tried all sorts of doctors. She's tried all sorts of medicine and treatments. But what we see here in Mark's account is that everything had failed. Her health is continually deteriorating. Twelve long years. Mark describes her condition as a chronic internal bleeding, probably from a menstrual health issue that was not only financially draining by seeking help, but it also left her ceremoniously unclean. And this is something we need to recognize as we read this scripture. Not only was she going through a painful disease, but she was isolated. She was ceremoniously unclean. She suffered not only from physical health, but also from social and religious isolation as she could not attend the temple and worship. She was not even allowed to be in that crowd of people. You may recall that those who were unclean were to stay away from people and even shout out, unclean, unclean, as they went among the people. Yet this woman finds herself right in the middle of this group. You and I don't see the faith in action so much when we just read it, but when you think about it, this woman was putting her life in danger by not shouting that and by just going straight for Christ. Yet she had one last hope that gave her enough courage to enter this crowd, to ignore all of the things, the things that she had been taught and approach Christ. She also, it says here, had heard of Jesus' healing, and she trusts and his power to heal. In this case, she believed that if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. Her faith, as we see here in Jesus, though, is mixed with a little bit of superstitious belief of touching his clothes. Now, this was a Jewish superstition that was prevalent in that time. It's not unknown in Scripture. We see it in several times with Peter's shadow in Acts 5.12. As Peter would walk on, people that were trying to put themselves in the shadow of people and they would be healed. Others were taking Paul's clothing and, and strips of his cloth and having him pray over it and, and sending it to the people. We see in 2 Kings is a great story of Elisha. Elisha had died and someone was burying him. And in a hurry, they threw him in the same grave as Elisha. And as soon as the dead man's body hit Elisha's bone, he woke up from the dead. So they had these kind of things in their mind. Today, we still find people with that type of belief today. I remember there was a famous pastor, I won't name him, but for amount of money, you could send in a rag or he would send a rag to you, pray over it, and then you would take it and you would put over a body part and strange stuff. But her faith was mixed with a little superstition. Mark writes that the woman who had been struggling for 12 years with this illness, this woman who had spent a fortune seeking medical help, was healed immediately as she touched Jesus. Amen? He makes a point to write that she felt an immediate healing. It wasn't something that took 48 hours. It wasn't calming in the morning. It was immediate. And Jesus himself knew immediately that healing power had came and went from him. Even through the jostling of the crowds and the pressing in of the people, Jesus could tell that there was something different about this touch. This was a touch of faith, not a touch of just wanting to touch him, but someone desperate, someone looking for hope, someone looking for healing. Jesus asked his disciples, which now is kind of a silly question, who touched my garments? 
the disciples answer with kind of a mild rebuke in saying, you see this crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? How can we tell? Everyone is pushing around you. How in the world can we tell who touched you? Everyone's touching you. In verse 25, we see that a great crowd had followed him and thronged about him. There was no way to tell the difference. Some of you might think that Jesus was looking to rebuke this unclean woman from touching him. However, Jesus wants to encourage and praise her for her faith. Myself, I believe it also wants to make sure that she knows that she's not healed by superstition alone, but by her faith. It's important for you and I to understand that our faith, that our trust is in the person of Christ and not in any object, not in religious icons that's prevalent in today's society as it always has been. Many get sidetracked in trusting the wrong things. I was thinking about Israel as a great example of this. Over their history, they had put their trust in kings. They put their trust in implements of war. They put their trust and faith in the temple or the walls of Jerusalem, all which came crumbling down and are not in existence today. They even trusted and worshipped the brass serpent that Moses put on a pole for them to be saved from the bites of serpents back in Numbers and Deuteronomy. By the time that Jesus arrived, they could not even recognize their own Messiah because they had lost focus on what their faith and their trust was to be in. And I want to challenge you today, many times people can trust and put their faith in the wrong thing. We have medical doctors, we have hospitals, we have medicines. All those things are good. All of those things are God's common grace, but in the end, we trust in the person of Christ. It's not in the church, it's not in your pastor, your elders, but it's in the work of Christ. Now, even though she came with fear and trembling, many times something misses the mark, I believe she came with some courage. And courage is that thing that comes not when you're fearful, but it's when you come in spite of your fear. For it shows courage in admitting and confessing that it was her that touched him. She could have just ran off in the crowd and been lost. There was no way she could anticipate the reaction of Jesus or the crowd. Could you imagine once they heard that she was unclean? For in this case, her touching Jesus would have made him unclean. But yet we know that Jesus is pure. Impurities did not make him impure. But the rest of the crowd could have been an uproar. What? You're unclean. They would have been right to stone her right there. There's no one way she could have known. He could have taken the healing way. The crowd could have stoned her on the spot once they realized that she was unclean. She had planned on a secret one-way touch, just a one-way encounter with Jesus. But she got much more. For Jesus had a special insight. He was not able only to tell that power had gone out of him, but that this woman had great faith. Yes, it was mixed with something else, but it had faith. With great compassion and understanding of her pain, understanding where she had come from, Jesus addresses her as what? Daughter. I want us to think about that. Listen to what he says. He says, daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now I think everything past daughter 
It's wonderful words and would have given her great comfort. But I think we miss a meaning if we forget how Jesus addresses her. You see, the word daughter conveys a deeper relationship. This woman, who was once isolated socially, religiously, and even from her family, was now accepted by Jesus Christ. It may have been years since she had heard daughter from her parents, or maybe even mother if she had any children. It had been years since she felt any type of intimate contact, probably even having someone look her in the eye and reference her daughter. Remember, she was unclean. Most people wouldn't give her a second glance other than just to get out of her way. What great words. Like the demon-possessed man, she is completely healed both physically and spiritually and relationally. Here's the thought. Our faith, though even when imperfect, is still accepted by God. Amen? When your faith is mixed with superstition or mixed with some fear, when your faith is mixed with something else, God still accepts it. So many of us think and we're taught that we need to have such great faith. And the reason why God doesn't work in our life is because we don't have enough faith. Let me tell you, that's lies. It's a trust and a faith in something else other than the works of Christ. That's a trust in yourself. But this woman, Christ filled up what was lacking in her faith. And I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. That gives me strength. Because I don't know about you, but I do struggle with my faith at times. There are times that, that I don't trust in Him as I should. There are some situations that come in our life that I do struggle with. That my eyes are averted from Christ. And I too are just crying out, unclean, unclean. I'm so unclean. I'll never be perfect. I'll never be right. But Christ comes and He makes that which is imperfect, perfect. He heals that which is broken. He restores those things. Which brings us to the third passage. As Jesus finishes with her, we see in verses 35 to 43 that Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead despite the scorn of others. And I think this is an important note. Yes, he raises her from the dead, but his dead despite the scorn of others. We see that as soon as Jesus is still speaking, there comes a ruler from the house, who says your daughter is dead. Whether the interruption with this woman caused a long enough delay for the girl to die, we do not know. Whether it was or not, it was all a part of God's plan to glorify Himself. Mark informs us that just as Jesus was speaking to the woman, someone came with the news that Jairus' daughter had died. He says your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any longer? I can only imagine what went through Jairus' mind on hearing that dreadful news. Surely his mind was struggling to comprehend the report. Hadn't he found the healer? Hadn't he found Jesus? Hadn't he humbled himself? Hadn't Jesus agreed to come with him and heal his daughter? Maybe his anger at the crowd began to cloud his mind. They were preventing him from going faster. Maybe he was angry at this woman for interrupting Jesus' trip to the house. Maybe he was angry at himself for not coming sooner or doing more. We feel that way, do we not? 
when things become desperate, when life becomes difficult. Jesus, however, redirects Jairus' mind towards the positive when he says, but overhearing what is said, Jesus said to the ruler, do not fear, only believe. Simply, Jesus gives a word of assurance to this father. He says, continue in your belief. The belief that led you to me, the humility that led you to me, continue in that. Do not give up. I think this man would have been overwhelmed, maybe falling to the ground, and said, if I just had a little bit more time, if we could have gotten there just faster, if I would have left sooner. Arriving at the scene, we see the professional mourners are already at work, plying their trade of weeping and wailing loudly. And sizing up the scene, Jesus asked them, Why are you making such a commotion? Why are you weeping? This child is not dead. She's just sleeping. We see in response, they begin to laugh at him. These are professional mourners. Believe me, they were not wailing and weeping until they know that the deed was done. Mark has shown us this young girl is dead. These professional mourners, in those times you would hire people to come to your funeral. And they would weep and wail for you. What a job. I don't know if that's on ZipRecruiter or not, but I don't think it would be one of those ones that you would like. What's funny is you see that they were not very good at it because they start weeping and wailing, and as soon as Jesus says she's sleeping, they stop and they start laughing. There's no desire in their heart to care for this person. So they begin to laugh. But taking Peter, James, and John and the parents, Jesus goes to the girl and demonstrates that he has authority over death itself by bringing her back to life. And Mark tells us that they were immediately overcome with amazement. What a testimony to the power and the authority of Christ. Not only does He heal, not only does He exercise demons, not only can He calm the winds and the waves, that this man can defeat death itself by raising this poor young girl back to life. Here's the thought is never lose your faith. Never lose your trust in Christ, even when others doubt and scorn you. See, maybe Jairus could have said, this is no use. Jesus, just go back. He could have listened to them. I'm sure as he got closer to the house, as he could hear the wails and the mourns of those people he had paid to do so, it probably would just strike his heart even more. Maybe he would begin to crumble and doubt the goodness of Jesus and the goodness of God. Yet Jesus continues to encourage him, encourages him with words. Do not doubt, just continue in your faith. She's not dead, she's just sleeping. I can take care of this. Many times you and I are prevented from following Christ or from our faith becoming stronger because of the doubt and the scorn of others. You're afraid of what others may say. You listen to their words and you're prevented from following through. But faith in action is a powerful thing. And in this story, we see faith is an action. Faith is something that the Bible says can move mountains. It can heal. It can bring the dead back to life. It can calm the winds and the waves. Faith is something that God says that He also will reward. And that's where I'd like to go from here. It's the power and reward of faith. You see, all these stories of the last two weeks express desperation. 
All these stories that we saw the last two weeks express desperation. The man delivered from demons that caused him to act as a madman. They had tried everything they could to stop this man and control him, but subdue him, but they could not do anything. The woman from a long-term illness had left her almost bankrupt and isolated. In desperation, she seeks the help of Jesus. If I just touch his garment. We see the desperation of the father whose young girl was struck with a life-threatening sickness and death to the point that he humbled himself, falls at Christ's feet, and says, heal my daughter. Desperate people seeking a desperate solution. And twice we see people act in faith, and twice we see that they're rewarded for that faith. The writer of Hebrew tells us in chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the convictions of things not seen. And the writer of Psalms 119.2 says, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. You and I need to realize that faith is the tool that brings us to God, that opens the key. It's the key to not only salvation, but also to experience the goodness and the greatness of God. Faith is the one tool in our box that God has given us in those times of desperation, in those times when things are beyond us. When there's no other hope, there is always faith. I'd like to end by sharing with you three things of the power and the reward of faith. The first thing that you and I need to understand, that faith is necessary to please God. So many of us try different ways to please God. We try to act a certain way, think a certain way. We try to dress a certain way. We try to keep these lists of things. But of all of those things, none of those things will ever please God. For Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Amen? Without it. We cannot please God. For whoever will draw near to God must believe that He exists and they rewards those who seek Him. We see in the stories this, this morning that those they sought after Christ. They heard of His great deeds. Maybe they were witnesses to some of His great deeds. They sought Him out and that faith was a great reward for Him. Without faith, it's impossible. Without anything else, you need faith this morning. Number two, faith is also a gift from God. And this is important because many times we believe that faith is something that we have within ourselves. It's something that you and I must conjure up to ourselves. But in Romans, Paul writes, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself much more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment and each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It is true, there are some who have greater faith than others. There are some that God says, this person has great faith and your faith may be a little bit weaker or less. But God is the one who gives us faith. And so it's not something, again, that if I have enough great faith within myself, then God will heal me, God will bring up people from the dead and all of these things. This is not what Scripture is telling us. For faith is a trust in God. And faith is something that increases as we come. If you want more faith, it's not something that you have to just dwell within yourself and conjure up. But it ought to humble yourself. Your prayer be, oh, Father, please give me a greater measure of faith. 
make me stronger. Help me to trust in you more. It comes through reading of God's word and trusting and believing in that and putting our trust in him. As we do so, God gives us a greater measure of faith. And then thirdly, and this is important, is God uses our faith to help or God uses others to help when our faith is weak. God uses others to help when our faith is weak. This verse here helped me understand what my job as a pastor was to do. 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote, Pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. And I love this last phrase, and supply what is lacking in your faith. What's lacking in your faith today? What is going on in your life today that at this point you do not trust God? The doubt and the scorn of others has made your faith weak. You're struggling in this. You're praying for it, but you still have not come to complete trust in Christ. I believe just like the man who was lifted up by his companions, and it was by their faith that that man was healed. In the same way as Jesus almost put his shoulder on the Father and says, keep coming, keep coming, don't give up now. Keep following me and you'll see something great. You'll see your daughter raised from the dead. In the same way, I believe that's why the community of believers is so important. There are times when my faith is weak and I need you to come along and build me up. I can give you times, and I won't do it here personally, but there are times when I know that I've been weak in an area and Dawn, my wife, has been strong and she's helped me through that. And there have been times vice versa in the same way is where she might have lacked faith and I said, no, this is the way we need to go. That's the Christian life. And that's what we do together. And that's why we encourage you to join with us. Let us know that we can count on you and you can count on us. The importance of many times. You're going through something in your life and you're desperate. Hope seems to be fading. Answers from God seem to be far away. You may be even like David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. But yet where is his cry? Come along aside another brother and sister in Christ and let their faith supply what is lacking in yours. That's why we pray for each other. That's why we encourage one another. Let me ask you, friend, what's your desperate situation this morning? What is making you unclean in your life? What is it that's keeping you from coming into the body of Christ? What is it that's harming your conscience today? What is it that's paralyzing you in trusting in Christ? Who is causing you to doubt in your life? Who are those people in your life that are casting scorn and telling you not to trust in Jesus? If there are people like that, we need to put blinders to this, like these people who are scorning, laughing at Jesus. To whom can you lean on for faith support? If you have no one, come today. Join with us. Let us support you in that way. I end with this. Come to Jesus. Because He's a friend that's well known. He hears and He responds. Whatever the case that you may be going on, trust in the one who can heal. The one who takes that which is lowly and lifts it up. The one who takes that which is imperfect and makes it whole. The one who can take what is broken and restore it. Would you trust in Christ this morning. Father, we come before you.
And we just ask for your grace and mercy. Would you just strengthen us this morning that we may respond to your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to take a moment. Maybe you want to take some notes on your paper. Maybe you want to share what, what Christ is doing in your heart. But I would ask for you to take a moment to pause, to consider, to pray and to respond. What does the Holy Spirit call you? Hear our cry, Lord. There may be many desperate hearts out there this morning. There may be people that are struggling with their faith. Maybe they're hearing the cat calls of others who are casting scorn and doubt on your goodness. Maybe their faith is mixed with something other than true trust, but yet they're struggling to trust you. Maybe, Lord, they're just weak on their own and they need a friend, a Christian to come alongside. Whatever it may be, Father, would you give them that today? Give them that healing that they need, whether it be their body, their mind, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's financially, whatever the straits they're in. Lord, would they put their eyes towards you? And Father, will you hear their cry? And would you lift them up? Reward our faith this morning. We pray in Christ's name, who makes this possible. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.